Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Last week we began a series, a short series of messages entitled Better Than Xanax. And today we will continue in that series, next week being the conclusion of the series. While I was young still, I, I learned to repair broken things. I learned about tools and mostly the correct way to use them. My uncles were instrumental in helping me in that regard. I think probably my earliest recollection was to learn how to tighten the chain on my bicycle when it had come loose and was coming off the sprockets. My uncle showed me how to loosen up that back wheel using a box end wrench and to pull that wheel tight and to tighten it and keep that chain tight. He taught me how to perform regular auto maintenance and how to troubleshoot and do some basic repairs. Some basic concepts, they helped me to maintain our homes as well. Once we stopped renting and started having responsibility for a household, they helped me. In our previous home in St. Louis, I decided I was going to install a ceiling fan in our dining room area where there was just a simple light fixture before. And I'd replace some light fixtures, like with like. I'd replace some switches and outlets, like with like. I felt pretty confident I could install a ceiling fan. When I removed, though, the old light fixture, I pulled it down from the ceiling, and that ball of wires come down out of that electrical box. Um, There were a lot of wires in there. It was a multiple switched light, and uh, I, I took a little look at them, more wires than I'd seen. I looked them over a little bit, but you know what? I, I didn't label a one of them. I told my dilemma to a friend later on, and he held up his phone and said, Did you take a picture of them? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. So as you might expect by now, I wasn't able to wire the new fan correctly. Thank God we didn't burn down the house. And I had to hire an electrician to come out and correct my mess. Perhaps most frustrating is that I knew, I knew I should have labeled those wires. I knew I should have had a record of what was there. I knew it was something in me. I'll remember It was frustrating to me because I didn't do what I knew I should do, even though I knew there was a better way. As a young man, there was a a short time, a time of which I'm not proud. When I ignored many of the biblical teachings that I was taught, a time when I I self-righteously determined that I didn't need to walk the course that was prepared for me. And while, in my opinion, and biblically I believe, any time away from Christ is too long, I'm thankful that, that my time of what I see as foolishness was relatively short. 
I'm grateful for a praying mom, a praying pastor, and a praying church. I thank God for the day that it dawned on me. I was driving in a car on an on-ramp to the highway, and I remember. It dawned on me. I know better than this. Realizing better. I returned to following Christ. The series of messages that I'm endeavoring to share better than Xanax, it, it aims to remind us all that the Lord Jesus Christ offers us better. These sermons aren't to demean humanity's sincere efforts to help one another. My, my emphasis is the Lord Jesus. He offers to each of us better rest, better peace, better joy than otherwise available in our human experience. I simply preach Jesus is better. Today's subject is the Lord's peace. If we look to scripture to define peace as we should, particularly in spiritual context, peace is a pervasive concept in the Bible and it most commonly relates to a relationship of love and loyalty with God and with one another. And at first glance, at first hearing about peace, I mean, tell me, peace seems to be a no-brainer, right? Do you want peace? Yeah! Except we want peace our way. I want peace my way, and you likely want peace your way which is fine if we have the same ideas on peace. But if my thoughts of peace are different from your thoughts, well, you get the point, right? In a wonderful message earlier this year from evangelist Tim Green, it's still posted on our website, he, he clarified that society mostly understands peace as absence of conflict in our lives. However, biblical peace is with us. It is in us, even while there is conflict externally around us. Perhaps we can appreciate the difference just, just like that. Societal peace, peace on earth, peace with one another is one dimension of peace, horizontal peace, if you will. And then personal peace, peace, peace that is in us, peace that is with God, vertical peace, if you may. To clarify these different realms, would you listen with me to Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. Going to be a lot of verses today. Perhaps you'd like to write them down or take some notes and revisit them later. Matthew 10, 34 Jesus is very direct. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. Well, there you go. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Wow, those are difficult words. 
According to Jesus, following him is going to cause division. And the division is very straightforward. Those to choose to follow him and those who choose not to follow him. And that division will eliminate peace in lives. So Jesus offers no promise of some kind of large-scale societal peace at this time. Prophetically and further in the future, we can expect societal peace when Jesus Christ returns and rules and reigns in this world for a thousand years of peace. We all further down the line, there is eternal peace when his followers join with him in heaven. But, but here, now, societal peace eludes us as there are those who follow Jesus and those who don't. And as most of us know by experience, Christianity is a topic of disagreement. Yet, Jesus also said this in John 16 and verse 33. Jesus said, I told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus explains the peace that he gives as personal peace, as in eternal or rather internal peace. He gives us peace in spite of what's happening horizontally and trials and sorrows around us. And so this promised personal peace, I want us to recognize is part of the Lord's very nature, his Peace is, a, is an elemental part of his purpose toward humanity. He is a God of peace desiring to speak peace and to gift peace into those who would receive it. In the book of Judges chapter 6, look what this records. Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him in the next verse, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. And so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. A verse that we should be referring to year in and year out, day in and day out, has been capitalized mostly on in the Christmas season, Isaiah 9 and 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. Through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord spoke and said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The prophet Micah shared these words about the Christ to come. He shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, and now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Verse 5, and this one shall be called peace. Can I 
humbly remind us this Saturday morning, peace is the Lord's very nature. It's a, it's a central element of his purpose toward humanity. And this God of peace is not merely holding up a banner promoting his own characteristics. He's not simply dictating, hey, look, how awesome I am. Rather, his desire is says, I am peace, and I want you to have what only I can provide. I, I want you to enjoy what can only come from me. The psalmist wrote, the Lord will bless his people with peace. In the book of Acts, in the New Testament, it records the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Paul penned, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we might as well look to Jesus himself in John 14 when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And then he said this, I I'm leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I love the wording. I, as a speaker, a public speaker, I, I get kind of caught up in words, and I, I pay attention to words. And I notice in this passage and others that you'll hear today, he talks about peace of mind and heart of mind and heart, peace that happens in my being, peace that happens in my mind, peace that God gives is without angst. It's without turmoil. It's without inner distress. That I am promised personal peace that is a serenity and a tranquility and a calm and a contentment. And it's, a, it's a peace beyond anything in this world. It, it cannot be given by anything merely human. It will not be known by a normal human experience. But the peace... And he promises it's above and beyond. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our explanation. There is something about this divine one. And he would put a peace in our lives that I can get nowhere else. You think something that profound, something that extraordinary, would be like space travel for the public right now. Only available for a select few that have the select finances to buy in early on. You with me? You think something as amazing as the peace, the tranquility of God would only be available to a select few. Rather, we find it is a gift. 
It's a gift. The last four who recently went up as space tourists, one paid, one had the money, but three were gifted the opportunity. Would you like to go? The answer was simply yes or no. Timing is impeccable. For those online, a little one just yelled out no when I offered that question. Peace of God is a gift. It's a gift through the Holy Spirit. Believing this, the Apostle Paul prayed for his readers in Romans 15 and 13. The scripture records, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's writing this letter of instruction and guidance and direction and inspiration and then he offers really a written prayer. I join with Paul today praying for all that have heard this word thus far in this moment. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that every listener responds as a psalmist in Psalm 85. He said, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. We're going to take a prayer pause right now in the middle of this message for those who feel in their hearts and minds like the psalmist, I, I will hear what the Spirit would say to me. That's right, ma'am, you're doing the right thing. Just talk to the Lord right now. Someone else want to raise your hands and want to begin to speak to the Lord. There is peace in this house even now. The, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place to verify His Word. Since the outpouring recorded in Acts chapter 2, we have access to God's Spirit dwelling within us. Come on, that's right. Right in the middle of this message, extend your hand and say, Lord, if you offer peace and it's a gift and it's available, I, I need it in my mind right now. Come on, that's right. Come on, don't hesitate. Reach out right now. Open your spirit, open your mind like you did in the worship service a few minutes ago and say, Lord, I accept, I receive your peace. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is available for one and for all. He's moving right now. There is peace settling into minds and hearts even now. The Holy Spirit is here. Is if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, it comes by faith. It comes by desire. It comes by uh, surrender. And it comes by worship. And you receive it, you'll know. By the Bible evidence, you will speak in a language you weren't taught in school or in your household. The Spirit is available to all. He's in this house right now. All front to back and side to side. Young and old. 
no matter your financial status, no matter your home situations. Oh, I see some teenagers right now reaching out to God. His peace is here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to raise your voices. I believe one or two could do standing right now and just reach out to the Lord. Come on, man. You're doing the right thing. Don't worry. Just talk to God right now. We're all right. It's a prayer and a house of prayer. It's a place of prayer. It is an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is here. Hallelujah. If you've already received the Holy Spirit, it's an opportunity to be refreshed. It's an opportunity to have it stirred in you. It's an opportunity to be renewed again by His glorious power. It's an opportunity to bathe ourselves in His holy presence and glory. It's an opportunity to have that peace. I can't explain it in detail. My English isn't good enough. I can't give it to you in full understanding. My mind is not as large as what God would do. But there is peace. Boy, I invite you right now in this little prayer pause, if you know someone who needs peace in their lives, would you just begin to pray for them right now? Would you lift up their name right now? Would you talk to the Lord about peace in them? That the Lord would minister, the Lord would speak, that the Lord would visit them, that they would receive and respond to the powerful presence of God, that they would enjoy His heavenly peace, His divine purpose and power in their lives. When we look to Scripture, when we, we don't just <laughs> dictate personally what we think God's like and how He ought to operate. We step away from our arrogant thoughts and look to the Word to let the Lord describe Himself to us. The Lord promises and provides peace. His better 
peace is available to all. Peace, the Bible tells us in Galatians, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's part of the package. When we accept, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, peace is expected. Still, I, I must confess, having received the Holy Spirit decades ago, there have been times in my life that personal peace was scarce. Why is that? If, if personal peace is, is part of the package of receiving the Holy Spirit, yet it, it isn't realized or enjoyed in any spirit-filled follower, why, why not? Why isn't it? If I see it's to be there, but I'm not experiencing that, well, the Apostle Paul, we'll go to the Word again. He's addressing spirit-filled Colossians in Colossians 3 and beginning at verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And look at verse 15. And let... The peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That passage talks about our relationships, our interpersonal communication and conflicts. That passage commends followers to live in peace with others. And it, it gives us some direction on how to do so. But then verse 15 reflects how this external peace originates. It originates internally in our hearts. Paul began, or rather summarizes by saying, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Allow it to blossom. A number of times over the years, kind people, various ones, have gifted plants to my wife and I. Thoughtful people, even some in this room, have expressed interest in us and they, they gave us a plant, such a, a nice gesture. And time and again, even in this plant, there's a little 
tag in here with a label. It's got some directions on how to, to, to properly care for this plant. My wife and I, we read those instructions. We, we go online and we find out information about that plant. Feeding and watering and climate, temperature, sunlight. We look into those things. We've read up on them. And typically, for a few weeks, we do good with the plant. But often there are times, and for us it seems like overnight, yesterday it was good. But, but leaves turn brown, and blossoms fall off, and stems wilt, and we throw the thing away. Occasionally we're successful, but often we're not. Now listen to me. Even though the plant was a thoughtful, sincere, genuine gift to us. A gift that people were interested, still, still it died under our care. Now the Lord's incomparable peace, his gift of peace, exists in our lives much like a plant. You see, peace, it needs to be nurtured. It needs to be attended to. It needs, like, like plants, peace needs watering. Peace needs feeding. Peace needs proper climate. Followers of Jesus have to let his profound peace rule in our lives. This, this amazing peace, it, it needs to be protected. It needs to be fostered so that we might live in that peace. And Scripture tells us how. Scripture gives us insight on keeping the gift of peace alive. There are many things. I'll share just a few. Luke 10, 5 and 6. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're going out to minister. And he gives them this instruction, which is interesting to me. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. And look at verse 6. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Peace is maintained by people who embrace peace. There are some peaceful people and some folks that aren't interested in peace. There are some people that welcome and uh, appreciate that peace. There are others who, you know what, no. Jesus said, bring peace, pray God's peace, share God's peace on that house. And if they receive it, it'll stand. But if they don't, it'll dissipate. Some people live in peace, don't, some don't. You know, I, I have to inquire. I, I have to offer some questions. I did this last week. I'll, I'll probably be a little provoking. 
We need to ask ourselves, when I'm, I'm wondering about, I got this promise of peace. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm not living in it. I'm not experiencing it. It's not, it's not in, I'm not enjoying it like I think I should. Well, I wonder, we can ask, do those closest to me live in God's peace? Do the people who influence me, inspire God's peace, or are they draining God's peace? I invite us to kind of take an assessment in our relationship. What is, what's the peace balance in our most influential relationships? Am I inspiring the other to let God's peace rule in their hearts? Or does their ongoing lack of peace wither the peace plant, if you will, in my life? The psalmist observes this in Psalm 37, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek are people who aren't easily provoked. The meek are people who practice humility and gentleness rather than pride and harshness. The meek are not quarrelsome or cantankerous. The meek enjoy abundant peace. And you know what? I, I, I might not be fully enjoying the Lord's peace because I'm not spending enough time with peaceful people. I'm not engaging enough with people who are biblically meek and I'll enjoy greater peace in my life as I develop stronger relationships with the meek, those who let God's peace rule in their lives. Peaceful people nurture peace in my life. I want you to pay attention to Philippians chapter 4 beginning at verse 6. Some very clear instruction about peace. Don't worry about anything. The New King James says, be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. There it is again. Your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Can I, as a sidebar, if you particularly need some peace inspiration, I encourage you to memorize that short passage and repeat it to yourself as often as you can. Whatever is going on here externally, it causes anxiousness and worry in our lives. Scripture says we take it to God, this vertical gesture. Even when peace eludes us here, I, I can't control what's happening in the workplace. I, I can't control what's going on in the neighborhood. Fill in the blank with whatever it is that's causing you anxiety. Listen, don't get caught up in that. Take that to the Lord. The Scripture says everything, take it to the Lord and prayer. That's where there is peace. Peace in God. Inner peace thrives in those who talk to the Lord about everything. One of the reasons that prayer is so powerful is because it works on our thoughts. And thoughts attend to our peace. The next verse, verse 8 in Philippians 4 
Paul writes, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. He uses the word fix there as in to attach and to focus and to direct. But really, we could use it also as fix some wrong thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Associate them, attend them on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Prophet Isaiah wrote, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. To Romans, Paul penned, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. This allowing is so very important. I hear some questions. Where do we fix our thoughts? Where are we fixing our thoughts? Let's think about our life inputs just for a moment. What things do we hear? What things do we view? What things do we read? What things do we experience? What things are the focus of our conversations? And are these thought inputs true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise? If they are, Scripture says, those inputs will sustain God's peace in us. But if they're not, they're going to drain away peace. They're going to harm. And when allowed, they will bury peace in our lives. There are, are some things that will not allow the plant of peace to survive in our lives. But there are other things that will nourish and sustain that peace. I remind us the absolute best thought input available is the Word of God. In Psalm 119, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Right here. Those who love your law. How often am I inspired by this? When do I review this? Do I meditate this? Do I think about this? Is this holy book my go-to in my life? Do I love these words? These words feed our lives with great peace. And the more we allow this to sustain our thoughts, the greater our personal peace Letting the Spirit control our minds, fixing our thoughts on the Lord, propels us to perfect peace. And finally this, Philippians 4 and verse 9. Paul reiterated this to these fellow human beings from centuries ago. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received of me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. 
In Isaiah 32, the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. There's another fabulous verse to commit to memory and remind ourselves. The work of righteousness, doing right things, doing the right things, will be peace. And the effect of doing the right things is quietness and assurance forever. Sometimes, even good folks forget that the Lord wants us to live in peace, to dwell in peace, that it should be a constant part of our lives, rather than experience it now and then. Rather than a living, thriving plant that continues in our lives, some of us mistake the Lord's peace for a bouquet of flowers. Stems cut from the plant, placed in water, nice vase, Flowers that certainly are going to bless us for a time. And they won't last long. And the most I have to do is maybe once or twice change out the water. But they're still going to fade. I don't need to give these daily attention. I don't need to maintain. I don't need to sustain. I took this knowing... It'll bring me some joy for a while, but it will soon depart. Some of us see God's peace like a bouquet of flowers. And you come to a church service like you did today, and we feel the sweeping, amazing power of God like we did in that prayer pause just a few minutes ago. And we'll leave this place with our bouquet. Well, I feel a lot better now. Smile where there wasn't one. Some inspiration where there wasn't. Peace where I had felt troubled. But if we just think it like that, we're missing the point. His peace was never designed to be a bouquet that arrives once in a while when I'm in a bind and then fades. His peace is designed as a plant. It's designed to remain. It also goes with us. It's portable like the bouquet. But it it remains through practice, through the works of righteousness. God's inner peace, his gift, it dwells in us by the Holy Spirit, but it remains daily in the forefront of our lives as we keep practicing right things, as we keep evaluating our associations and their peaceful impact in our lives, as we keep praying about everything, when we keep fixing our thoughts on the Lord, then we live in the promise of Jesus Christ. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. The Lord's peace 
is better peace. It's better peace. And I close with this. When I was young, our congregation sang an old hymn that, candidly, I didn't appreciate as much as the adults that were around me. I remember singing it. I remember thinking the words. And I remember observing some adults being very moved and very stirred, and I was not too keen on what was going on. Sometimes, life experience increases godly value. And I surely value the words of the old hymn today far more than ever. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rolls a melody sweeter than psalm. In celestial strains it unceasingly falls o'er my soul like an infinite calm. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. What a treasure I have in this wonderful peace, buried deep in the heart of my soul. I'm so secure that no power can mine it away while the years of eternity roll. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray in fathomless.
I encourage you to sing that old hymn when you're walking through a little something horizontally and the situation around you is confusing or combative things around seem to be out of your control and and I just remind you that peace in him is better than any promotion and marketing and sales that humanity can offer there is no peace better than his peace free available he came to place peace in every life. His wonderful peace. I, I hope today I've not only encouraged you about His peace, but inspired each of us to live in that peace. Don't leave today with a bouquet of peace. Leave with a peace plant it's nurtured, maintained, fed you've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series tune in next week for the next part of this series or join us online at livingfaithministries.church Peace.